If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to share us and subscribe so you don't miss our next show. We'd love to talk with you again. Happy Friday to you all. It's great to be back with you again talking about this crazy thing called politics. For all you Democrats and Democrat-curious voters down there in South Carolina, don't forget the primaries are this Saturday. We'll talk about that later, but first, Texas and the border situation. The situation at the United States' southern border has not improved. As reported last week, Republican governors suggested they might send their respective National Guards to Texas in support of Governor Greg Abbott to patrol the border. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, fresh off lighting over $160 million on fire in a failed attempt to unseat Donald Trump, only to have to pucker up and kiss Trump's seat, has offered up to 1,000 Florida Guardsmen to Texas if they want them. DeSantis said, quote, states have every right to defend their sovereignty and we are pleased to increase our support to Texas as a Lone Star state works to stop the invasion across the border. He added, our reinforcements will help Texas to add additional barriers, including razor wire along the border. We don't have a country if we don't have a border. Wait, how can Governor DeSantis deploy Florida National Guard into Texas? Well, there is a piece of legislation moving through the Florida legislature, HB 1551, the Florida State Guard Act. That includes language that removes requirements that Florida State Guard be used exclusively within the state. It was filed on the 8th of January, 2024, and has currently made it to the agenda of the Infrastructure and Tourism Appropriations Subcommittee. A convoy organized by a pair of conservative radio hosts and a former Army officer rolled out from Virginia Beach, Virginia, Tuesday, heading for the southern border. Calling themselves, oh boy, God's Army, they promised 700,000 people would attend the rallies, but only 50 cars rolled into Texas Thursday. The group is said to have raised $157,000 in donations, but has not said exactly what they plan to use the money for. On the way, the Army has had some rough times. Their tires were slashed, and there's been internal disagreements. Organizer Scotty Sachs said in a video posted on Rumble that we have some legitimate intel from multiple sources that infiltrators, provocateurs, plan to attack our convoy either on the road or at our events. He added that any potential instigators will face, quote, the wrath of the Navy SEALs and the Green Berets who will be on the ground at our event. Okay, Scotty, take it down a notch, you goof. Hey, I have a Rumble channel, too. Hint, hint, check it out. Let's take a look at this guy. Oh, my. There you are. Oh, and there's the QAnon shaman. Got it. You're one of them. Backing out now and washing my hands. I hope this doesn't turn into something violent. In what must certainly be a coincidence, and in no way a result of actually getting serious about securing a border sector, the Texas Del Rio sector, which includes the contested Eagle Pass area, has seen daily crossing totals of three to 4,000 per day. Per day. Drop to around 200. The numbers have, again, assuredly, and completely because of some unknowable X factor, shifted to Arizona and California border sectors, what a dink! We must immediately commission a study and find out what led to this unprecedented and inexplicable turn of events. Dumbasses. Do your job, Fed, so the state don't have to do it for you. The first Democratic primary with actual delegates on the line is tomorrow in South Carolina. 
The primary last week in New Hampshire was just symbolic. The Democratic National Committee rearranged the primary schedule to favor Biden's supportive South Carolina and told Iowa, Nevada, and New Hampshire to get behind South Carolina. Iowa and Nevada complied. New Hampshire did not. So Biden and the Democratic Party stripped the state of its delegates. The primaries happened. Joe Biden won using a write-in campaign to get him on the ballot he had previously disregarded, and no delegates were awarded to him or his competitor, Dean Phillips. Why all the drama? Well, in 2020, those first three states did not deliver a win for Joe Biden in the Democratic primaries. Bernie Sanders was on a streak through those, with Pete Buttigieg hot on his heels. South Carolina was the first win for Biden that year, and a decisive one at that. Biden remembers. Well, he doesn't seem to remember much these days, but someone on his team does, and the scheduling shuffle is obviously a ploy to come out of the gate strong in a state that has delivered for the incumbent in the past. We'll find out very soon if the expectations jive with reality. The polling on the Democratic race is pretty dusty at this point, with an Emerson College poll from early last month showing him at 69%, nice, 5% for Phillips, and 3% for Marianne Williamson, the other challenger. These three will be competing for 65 delegates tomorrow in South Carolina. The 55 pledged delegates in that pool will be awarded proportionally to any candidates earning more than 15% of the vote. While Joe Biden won New Hampshire handily with almost 67%, Dean Phillips was able to garner almost 20% in last week's contest. If he can keep this up, he may leave South Carolina with some delegates in his pocket. 55? I thought you said 65. I did. There are different types of delegates. Pledged delegates, of which there are 55 in South Carolina's contest, are expected to vote in the convention based on the state's voting results. Unpledged delegates, often called superdelegates on the Democratic side, can vote for anyone they want to and do. Those delegates can be distinguished party members or leaders, congresspeople, governors, or former presidents and vice presidents. With the bald-faced effort to deny any challengers to Biden a fair contest to include purposefully denying ballot access at all, it would be fair to assume that any and all superdelegates will be supporting Biden. Wisconsin is the latest state Phillips must tilt with to get his name on the ballot. The Wisconsin Presidential Preference Selection Committee, a body made up of Republican and Democratic leaders and reportable to no one, submitted Donald Trump and five other Republican candidates, including four that aren't even running anymore, and Joe Biden, as the people to be included on the primary ballots for Wisconsin. Phillips is suing and asking the state Supreme Court to intervene and get his name added to the Wisconsin primary ballot. They are considering the issue and for the moment have ordered the State Elections Commission not to release the ballots to county clerks while the court reviews Phillips' petition. In Phillips' lawsuit, he argues that his request to be put on the ballot was illegally ignored by the Wisconsin Presidential Preference Selection Committee and the Wisconsin Election Commission. These officials are urging the court to deny Phillips' petition, saying it was submitted too late and will impact the timely delivery of absentee ballots. Phillips said Monday, quote, As we fight Trump's attacks on democracy, we must also be vigilant against efforts by people in our own party to do the same, adding, Voters should choose the nominee of our party without insiders trying to rig the process for Joe Biden. Yeah. No. You slippery bastards. You don't give two shits about voters or you wouldn't be playing all these underhanded games across the country tipping the scales in Biden's favor. Would Phillips beat Biden in a real contest? Maybe. Maybe not, but we will never know, and that is 100% the doing of the Democratic National Committee, and it is a conscious effort.
After South Carolina, the next Democratic contest is February 27th in Michigan. Joe Biden, Dean Phillips, and Marianne Williamson are on that ballot. The state offers 117 pledged delegates who will be awarded proportionally and 23 superdelegates who will vote for Biden. I mean, who can vote as they wish. Michigan is an open primary state, and the dynamic of unaffiliated voters being able to vote in one party or the other's primary, just like in New Hampshire, is again in play. Who will be able to woo those voters away from the Rewind candidates from 2020, Phillips or Haley? Both need to perform well to stay alive, and both are nowhere near where they want to be polling. While the actions of the DNC, most certainly at the direction of the incumbent, are severely damaging to the Phillips campaign, Dean doesn't seem to be exactly energizing people either. While on the ground in New Hampshire, the day after a debate he and fellow Biden challenger Marianne Williamson organized and before the primary, Phillips held an event. It was outside in 22 degree weather, but there was hot coffee and donuts, but nobody came. I don't mean figuratively nobody came, literally nobody came. He said to the reporters on the scene, sometimes if you build it, they don't come. I feel really bad for this guy. If I take him at his word, he's got some justifiable motivations and his policy ideas are reasonable and workable, but they didn't come. At an event in Columbia, South Carolina last week, Dean pumped his numbers up to 12. Well, 10 actually. One attendee was a fourth grader who came with her dad to the event and another was a golden retriever named Charlie. That was the actual report I read. Damn, that's hard to watch. When asked why he is continuing, Phillips says is conviction. That, quote, we're a country that has forgotten that principle has got to come above politics. He told the 10 voters at the event, you know, you're going to ruin your career in politics if you go against your party, but there are times when you must. It's safe to say, yes, we have forgotten that principle should be more important than politics. And yes, he has ruined his career. No, he didn't have to, but he did, and it's a crying damn shame that he will be further pushed from the stage until he isn't even a footnote. He died a political death, essentially for nothing. If people gave a damn, they would have been in the ballroom of that hotel. They weren't, so how can I, how can we, assume anything else than people don't care? Phillips said to the group, uh, this feels like a seance, and that's truer than he likely intended. He hoped to summon the ghost of electorate's past, but nobody replied from the beyond. There is no afterlife. Much like Chris Christie's plea for sanity to the GOP entranced by Donald Trump, Dean Phillips pleaded with Democrats to turn the page on Joe Biden, an ineffectual, underwhelming, weak incumbent who may usher in a second term of the orange one because of all those things. But, like Christie, nobody cared. At least the Republicans engaged with Christie, booed him, in some way acknowledged him. Phillips wasn't even given that courtesy. He was just rendered a non-person by an incumbent in a party that seemed as hell-bent on a second term of Donald Trump as Donald Trump. In a Monmouth University Washington Post poll released yesterday, Donald Trump leads Nikki Haley 58% to 32% in South Carolina. Both improved their numbers compared to a similar September poll when the field had more candidates. At that time, 32% chose other leaving 46% for Trump and 18% for Haley back then. In the most recent polling, Other still enjoys 2% support of the 815 potential Republican primary voters who answered the phone and online poll. Put that in perspective, folks. These numbers are based on 815 people 
in a state boasting 3.2 million registered voters. Make of that what you will. The polling suggests that Trump's persistent legal troubles are not really a factor for those polls, with 60% of them saying Trump should stay on the ticket even if he's convicted on any of the many charges against him. Among these people, Trump enjoys a higher level of trust on many issues like immigration, the economy, foreign policy, and even abortion. The motivation to turn out to vote is starkly pro-Trump as well, with his supporters reporting 73% being extremely motivated to Haley's folks reporting 45%. That's a crucial number. Feelings mean nothing if they don't lead to action, and the commitment that the Trump fans have versus those of his competitors, be they Haley or Biden, has been consistently demonstrated. As I discussed last week, Nevada, the next stop on the primary train for the GOP, is already bought and paid for. To recap, the state of Nevada is running a primary on February 6th, which Nikki Haley is registered for. The Nevada Republican Party is running a caucus on February 8th that Donald Trump is registered for, and the GOP has made it clear that only the results of the caucus will decide the awarding of delegates. So, basically, Donald Trump has already won those 26 delegates. You mad yet? That's some shady shit right there. As a result, Haley has been laser-focused on South Carolina, but her polling thus far is less than overwhelming. She needs to win South Carolina. You see, anything less is likely not enough. South Carolina awards delegates under a winner-take-all method. Whichever candidate cracks 50% will get all the 50 delegates up for grabs in the Palmetto State. It is estimated that it will take 1,215 delegates to secure the Republican nomination. With his Iowa and New Hampshire wins combined with the results of the show game in Nevada, Trump will pull into South Carolina with likely 58 delegates to Haley 17. This is not an insurmountable deficit, but if she cannot take her home state, Nikki will be staring up at a 100-plus delegate advantage for Trump, no matter who picks up the four delegates from the Virgin Islands, which also holds the caucus on the 8th. A failure to launch in South Carolina could ground Nikki Haley permanently. After that contest on the 24th, there are just four more chances to gain momentum before Super Tuesday on March the 5th. Michigan is the next primary on the 27th. There are 55 delegates to take there with a proportional system to award delegates, and it is an open primary state. These two factors mean Haley has a chance to pocket some delegates here. Next up are Idaho and Missouri on March the 2nd. Idaho is a semi-closed primary state where the candidates will compete for 32 delegates. The rules there are unaffiliated voters can affiliate with a party on the day of the election and participate in its primary, similar to the dynamic in New Hampshire. Democrats would have to disassociate themselves from that party if they wanted to participate in the Republican primary. Delegates are awarded proportionally here for any candidates who exceed 15% of the vote, if a candidate breaks above 50%, however, they get all the delegates in a winner-take-all scheme. Missouri is an open primary state, with 54 delegates on the table, which can allow cross-party voters to support Nikki Haley if they wish. This state has a 50% winner-take-all threshold as well. This makes it, again, imperative for Haley to win these states or watch another 80-plus delegates slip away. The District of Columbia follows on March 3rd with its 15% proportional, 50% winner-take-all arrangement, similar to Idaho, and 19 delegates in play. If Haley hasn't scored a win in one of these states going into Super Tuesday on March 5th, I just don't see her being able to continue after what transpires when those 16 states and territories go to the polls and award the 874 delegates in play. 
The writing will be on the wall at that point. An unexpected force entered the political chessboard last week. Pop star Taylor Swift. Yes, I actually just said that. I'm still a little confused why this is a thing, but the world's plummet into insanity continues to say, but wait, there's more. It all started with reports that the Biden campaign was hoping for her endorsement. Okay, Miss Swift is a very influential figure and her fan base tends to be young and liberal. She supported you last cycle, so it makes sense to court her. As an example of the power she wields, Taylor posted on her Instagram last September, urging her followers to register to vote on vote.org. Over 35,000 people did so. Miss Swift, thank you for encouraging people to get involved in our political process. I share your feelings on that. So that's it, right? Oh no, not by a long shot. The fringe right and their chosen heralds of war have gone on the attack. This week, former presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy asked aloud whether the system is rigged to give Swift and her NFL player boyfriend, Travis Kels, relationship media coverage ahead of a Biden endorsement. Oh man, are you still talking? I thought we got rid of you a few weeks ago. Sorry, Vivek. I know this is going to come as quite a shock to you, but this lady is insanely famous and incredibly successful. No rigging is required for eyes, ears, and social media accounts to follow her wherever she goes. She could even help you, you abrasive snake oil salesman. Fox News presenter Jesse Waters speculated aloud last month that Pentagon officials were... What? Using Swift as a PSYOP, or a psychological operation intended to influence the public into voting a certain way. A lot of people are asking things out loud. Let me ask something out loud then. Are you people smoking crack? I know fentanyl is the new hotness, but this is pure paranoid crackhead behavior. Gentlemen, I assure you, you don't have the necessary gray matter to muster a psychology to be influenced. She's just more important to the world than you are. Fox News commentator Sean Hannity accused Swift this week of misunderstanding Republican values, suggested she doesn't properly understand the policies and history of President Biden, and warned her against endorsing him. What the fuck? Who the hell do you think you are, Sean? I'll skip over the obvious and unpalatable misogynistic tone you're regurgitating like bile and cut right to the numbers. I'm looking at Forbes right now and they say you're worth $43 million. Wow, being a narcissistic, hateful prick pays pretty well. Congratulations, Shano. Taylor Swift is worth over $1 billion. Billion. She could buy and sell you with the loose change in her couch. I don't think she needs any advice from you. You have 6.5 million followers on Twitter. Sorry, Elon, I'm not calling it X. Taylor has 95 million. 95, Sean. She doesn't need your advice. You have 1.8 million followers on Instagram. Taylor has 279 million followers on Instagram. She doesn't need your advice, little man. If there's any motivation for a PSYOP, it's by the NFL. You know why, Sean, you angry little troll? Data from the Apex Marketing Group suggests her mere presence at NFL games due to her ongoing relationship with Kansas City Chiefs player Travis Kels has generated a revenue increase of over $330 million for the Chiefs and the NFL. Do you have that sort of influence, Sean? No, you don't. She doesn't need your advice. Demand for tickets to her 2023 Eras Tour 
brought Ticketmaster to its knees and actually got the attention of the United States Congress for crying out loud. Is Congress talking about you, Sean? I doubt it. If the Republicans were smart, they would just accept that she's going to back the opposition and get ahead of this with a classy statement. Something like, We applaud Ms. Swift's efforts to get young people involved in our political process and likewise encourage all people to register to and exercise their right to vote. Something like that, and then just shut up about it. You and your ilk aren't classy, though, are you? And have never been the sharpest tools in the shed. You say a lot of dumb shit, and you pick a lot of fights you can't win. That's to be expected when you live in an echo chamber. I'm going to do you and your right-wing buddies a solid, though, and give you a piece of advice, Shano. Leave Tay-Tay alone before you make her mad and she turns the Swifties loose on you. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take the time to leave a comment here and on Podchaser. It helps us know how we're doing and what topics you'd like to hear in the future. Have a great day.